Amen. Will you at this time restore the kingdom back to Israel? So they were talking about earthly kingdom, but Jesus had in mind a heavenly kingdom. Hallelujah. That will come on earth. Amen. And that kingdom was supposed to begin now because Christ has resurrected. Amen. But before it begins, he told them, wait in Jerusalem. It's not for you to understand the hour or the time, but wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. And when the Holy Ghost comes upon you, then you receive power and you'll be my witnesses. Amen. Amen. Until the Spirit comes, they will not understand what the agenda is all about. So they are to, supposed to wait. Hallelujah. They are supposed to wait. God had a vision. God had an assignment. Jesus knew what he was going to do. Because he has said earlier in Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church and the gate of hell shall not prevail against it. Hallelujah. So he was going to build a church and the church must be born. And the birthing of that church must not take place in ordinary setting. Hallelujah. But it must be a supernatural move. It must be something that will catch the attention of, of the community and catch the attention of the damn world. Hallelujah. That means that it must be something explosive. But before the explosion will take place, Jesus tells them, wait in Jerusalem. Wait in Jerusalem. God has promised and he can do it. He can fulfill it. But he says, wait, 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 wait. So the key word this morning is wait. Hallelujah. Wait. Many are the promises of God. Many are the things God wants to do in our lives. Many are his purposes and plans concerning us. But this morning he's saying that for those plans to be fulfilled, we must come to the place where we have the ability to wait. What does it mean to wait? What does it mean to wait? I'll share with you five meaning of waiting. Number one, to wait means to be patient for God's timing. To wait means to be patient for God's timing. Hallelujah. Wait in Jerusalem. Hallelujah. A revolution is coming. The disciples are eager to enter into that revolution. Hallelujah. But Jesus tells them, wait. Be patient. God has a time. God has a season for everything. God has purpose to, plan, to bless us. Hallelujah. But there's a time to that, that, that promise. Amen. God has purpose to bless you with a marriage. But there's a time to that promise. God has purpose to bless you with a child. But there's an appointed season and there's an appointed time. God has promised to bless you with a business. But he has a purpose in mind. There is a timing and a season with God. God has promised to give you a job. Hallelujah. But there is an, a time. There is such a thing called as the appointed time and the appointed seasons of God. Hallelujah. For his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Hallelujah. So sometimes you are expecting him to move to the left, but he's already on the right. Sometimes you are expecting that he'll be at the center, but he's already at the back. Hallelujah. But as the as the, as the the earth, the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, and his thoughts higher than our thoughts. Hallelujah. So when he says wait, what he's saying is that I want to do something. I want to bless your life. I want to bring you to the expected end, for I know the plans that I have concerning you, plans of peace and not of evil, to bring you 
you to the expected end to give you a hope and a future. But there is a time, hallelujah, and a season to everything. There is a purpose and to everything there is a season, hallelujah, a time to be born, a time to be died. So in the purposes of God, there is a time and a point between now, the giving of the promise, the giving of the assurance, between the declaration of the prophetic word and the fulfillment of the word is a gap. And to survive that period, to survive that gap, you need what is called patience. So that you can patiently endure and wait for the time and the season that is appointed. Wait. But it is not easy waiting. The waiting period is not easy. But it says wait. Lord, you said we should go and preach. Why can't we go and start preaching now? He said wait. Lord, you promised us that after your resurrection we will work in miracles, signs and wonders. Why are we not seeing it now? He says wait. Amen. And most times when God put the full stop on us, or the pause, let me use the word pause. I think pause is better. Because full stop means that you have come to the end. But pause means to be continued. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the state that you are in is not a full stop. But God has, has pressed the pause button and he's, he's just pausing. The reason why he's pausing is that he wants to test your patience. He wants to test your faith. He wants to see that you can endure that, that moment of waiting. Hallelujah. And he says, wait until the appointed time. And then the appointed time, he manifests himself and shows himself strong on your behalf. But the sad thing is that some people are not able to wait. Some people also wait until it is almost time for their manifestation. And because they have, they have, they have, um, they, they are discouraged and they have waited for long. And they think God is not showing up. They want to help themselves. Sometimes we rush and we go ahead of God and everything spoils. Amen. We must have the patience to wait for God and to wait for his timing and to wait for the manifestation of what he has said concerning us. What does it mean to wait? It means be patient and wait for God's timing. God will bless you. It's just a matter of time. Wait for his timing. God will bless us as a church. It's just a matter of time. We will wait patiently. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We will wait patiently. Like the prophet said, I will stand upon my watch. Hallelujah. And wait and see what he will say. Amen. Amen. And indeed the Lord spoke and said, write down the vision. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. And though it tarries, wait for it. For it shall surely come to pass. It will not delay. God's purposes will not delay. God's plans will not delay. God's agenda will not delay. What God has said concerning you will not be delayed. It may seem delayed. It may seem denied. It may seem that it cannot come to pass. But if only you can endure and wait for him for a while. And wait for a moment. If you can just stretch your faith a little. And say, I'll wait patiently for him. If you can be like Job. Who will say that though he slay me, yet will I praise him. If you can be like Job, who had the confidence that, ah, one day I know that my Redeemer lives and at the end, he will show up for me and he will appear for me. He said, I know that even a tree, when it is cut down, there is hope for a tree when it is cut down, that one day it will spring out again at the scent of water. It will start budding. The leaves will start shooting out. The stem will start shooting out. Ah, it will start blossoming and very soon fruit will be on it and 
and people can enjoy the fruit from that tree. I came to tell somebody, maybe you have waited for years, you have waited for months, uh, you have waited, uh, you are about giving up, you feel like letting go and giving up, uh, you have come to your wish end, uh, and it's as if you can't continue any longer. I want to encourage you this morning, keep waiting, wait patiently for the time, for the psalmist said, I waited upon the Lord, uh, I cried unto the Lord, and he heard me. The, the, the good thing is that God will always show up. He will always show up. He may not show up the time you want him to show up, but surely and duly, duly, he will show up. Because he's not a man who will lie. He's not a son of man who will repent. Has he said it? Will he not do it? Has he commanded it? And will he not bring it to pass? May the Lord show up for you. As you wait patiently for him, may you enter into an explosion. In the name of Jesus, the son of the living God. What does it mean to wait? It means be patient for God's timing. Number two. To wait means to set your house in order for the coming explosion. To wait means to set your house in order for the coming explosion. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem. The people went to Jerusalem, and what were they doing? The Bible said that they, they met and they gathered, and they, they were doing an election to elect somebody to replace Judas Iscariot. You know Judas and what happened to him. So they had to elect somebody. See, something was not right in the church. Something was missing. There was a vacancy. There was something that needed to be done. Hallelujah. Some preparation had to, be, had to be done, had to go on. So whilst they were waiting, they were setting their house in order, preparing for the coming revolution. Hallelujah. So the, the waiting period is a time where you set your house in order. It's a time for you to check yourself and examine yourself and see what is right and what is wrong in your life to make amendments. Hallelujah. The waiting period is a time that you take opportunity to put certain things right. Hallelujah. And prepare yourself for the coming harvest. The waiting period is not a time to, to cry. It's not a time to pit Look down upon yourself and, and to seek for self-pity and all those things. Hallelujah. But it's a time where you ask yourself before God, what is wrong? What needs to be said right? What do I need to do? What must I do right? What must I put in place? Hallelujah. For the coming blessing. Hallelujah. You are waiting for a husband. That is not a time to cry. It's a time to prepare yourself. Hallelujah. And put yourself in the right perspective. You are waiting for a wife. That is a time you work hard and prepare so that when God blesses you with that woman, you can take care of her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You are waiting for a child. He says, enlarge your coast. Expand your territory. Hallelujah. That is the preparation. What does it mean to wait? Number three. The waiting period is a period of preparation. Amen. To wait means to prepare for the coming explosion. To prepare. Amen. So you prepare yourself. Amen. You are waiting for God to bless you with that blessing. What do you do? You prepare yourself. You upgrade your skill. You learn some vocation. You learn some skill. You take up some course. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. You learn and you, you acquire some skill to put you in a better position so that when the, the time comes, the appointed time comes. See, when preparation meets God's appointed time, there is an explosion. When your preparation meets God's appointment, then there is an explosion. Most times God appears to us in an explosive manner and we are not prepared and we cannot handle it. So the waiting period is a period of preparation. But we are in a generation that we cannot wait. Amen. We cannot wait. Junior pastors cannot wait for them to have the pulpit. Amen. We cannot wait to sit under the feet of senior ministers to learn and to study. 
Everybody is in a hurry to minister and do something and start something. Hello? Hello? We, we, are, we are not ready to wait so that we are groomed and matured in the ministry, even as a singer, as an instrumentalist, hello, as an usher. We don't have the patience to go through the cycle. All of a sudden, you join the choir, you are expecting that they give you a microphone and give, make you a lead singer. Because they didn't make you a lead singer, you are bored. Already you are forming your own singing group, music, car, whatever, with whatever name you want to give to it. Amen. Amen. They didn't give you opportunity to minister Sunday after Sunday in Timatemi Home. I'm going to start my own church so that every Sunday I can preach and minister. The waiting period is not a time to rush and go ahead of God. It's a time to tarry, wait, and prepare yourself. That is when you pick up a course. That's when you do something. That's when you take on a vocation, apprenticeship. You train yourself so that when the appointed time comes, you'll not be found wanting. Hallelujah. They went back to Jerusalem. They, they, they locked themselves up in the upper room. And what were they doing? They were preparing themselves, putting their house in order, making preparation for the mission and the assignment that God has given to them. Hallelujah. 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 May you never be found wanting in your moment of waiting. Use that moment wisely as a time of preparation to prepare yourself for the coming revival. Hallelujah. Number four, to wait means to be in tune with God. To wait means to be in tune with God. Amen. So the moment of waiting is a time that you seek the face of God and you draw closer to God. Amen. It is the time that you build up your Christian life and you build capacity. You build capacity. Many, not many people can handle success. Who ask for failure, everybody can handle it. Amen. 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 But not many people can handle success. And I said it in the morning service that if you are poor and you cannot serve God, forget it when you are rich. If you are poor, uh, or you are not so rich, and you can't serve God, you can't be dedicated to God, you can't be committed to God, forget it when you are rich. You know why? Because by the time you are rich, the temptations are more. <laughs> Amen. The temptations to sin are more. The temptations to be proud are more. The temptations to have nothing to do with God are more. Amen. For example, if, if you, are, you are unemployed, eh, you are not working, no money, you see. Uh -huh. So your temptations are less. You not have a lot of girls coming around you and everybody wanting to, you know. Amen. Sometimes even when you want to initiate a crample, you are bounced. <laughs> you are bounced because they look at you from head to toe and they, they bounce you. <laughs> you know the meaning of bouncing? Uh -huh. When you hit a ball on the wall. <laughs> Amen. Because they look at your condition and uh, you are despised. So you are bounced. And because of that, maybe it becomes easier for you to live a holy life and avoid fornication. But wait until you are blessed. And when you park the car, even when you have not called them, they are surrounding you and they are asking, are you calling me? <laughs> Amen. Because now you don't have your own room. So even if you call the girl, cry, where are you taking it? 
Amen. But wait until you are living in your own mansion and you can do whatever you want to do. You can buy whatever you want to buy. You can eat whatever you want to eat. You can go wherever you want to go. That is when we will see your real state. Whether you are in tune with God or not. Amen. So most of us will not enter into that explosion because God knows that that explosion, instead of you exploding, you rather be exploded. You understand? When you are exploding, it means that you are coming out. But when you are being exploded, it's like an atomic bomb exploding you. So then, the waiting period is a time that you build capacity and you make sure that you are in tune with God. You make sure that your prayer life is secured. You make sure that your fellowship, you are in fellowship with the Spirit. Hallelujah. You are prepared so that when the explosion comes, you ride on the wings of the Holy Spirit. Then God knows that nothing can take you away from His presence. What does it mean to wait on God? Number one, it means be patient for his timing. Number two, it means to set your house in order. Number three, preparing for the explosion. Number four, waiting means to be in tune with God. Number five, it means to fast and to pray. To wait means to fast and pray. So when Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem, he was saying that fast and pray. I think the disciples understood it because they went to the upper room and when you read chapter four, verse 14 of chapter 1, the Bible said that they, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart 14 from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Yes, move from 4 to 14. And then in 14, they assembled together in the upper room. And what were they doing? They were praying and supplicating. Oh. Chapter 1, verse 14. Were you in the first service? This all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They continued in and they continued in and they continued in and prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. So while they were waiting, what were they doing? They were praying and seeking the face of God. Hallelujah. The waiting moment is a time to pray. And as we are believing God for the explosion, God is telling us this morning that we should wait. In other words, we should pray. We should fast and pray. We should fast and pray. We should fast and pray. God wants to do something in our lives, but we must wait. We must pray and seek his face so that the explosion can come, so that the manifestation can come. Hallelujah. 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 We must pray because it's true prayer that God will bring that revival, that God will bring that explosion. Whilst you are waiting, the waiting time is not a time to complain. Most of the time, the thing that is so easy to do in your moment of waiting is to complain. And they didn't do this to me, and they didn't give me that, and nobody is helping me, and I have no helper, and I have no one to carry me when the angel comes and stirs the water. Somebody is standing before, he said, do you want to walk? Just yes or no. He said, and I don't have anyone to carry me when the angel comes to stir the water, to take me into the water. And before I even get there, somebody has jumped into the water already. Complain. The waiting period. You don't take it. It becomes a period of bitterness, complaining. You become bitter with God and bitter with your pastor because you see him as a representative of that God who is not moving in your life and acting on your behalf. You become bitter with everybody around you. 
Because it is not happening. Hallelujah. And you come to a point that you won't even curse God and die. Like Job's wife told Job. The waiting period is not easy. But in your moment of waiting, instead of complaining, instead of being bitter, instead of being sad and sorrowful, instead of crying, pray. 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 Because sometimes you are in that period because God wants you to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when we pray in our moment of waiting, five things happen. Five reasons why you need to pray. The importance of prayer to the explosion. Importance of prayer to the explosion. Five reasons why you need to pray as you are waiting or wait in prayer and fasting. Number one, nothing happens without prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. James chapter 5, let's pick it from 13. James chapter 5, reading from verse 13. Nothing happens without prayer. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him... Oh, are you with me? Are you going home? Is anyone among you suffering? Let him... Let him... Is anyone cheerful? Let him... Hallelujah. So whatever situation you are in, you are supposed to pray. If you are suffering, he says pray. If you are cheerful and happy because everything is going on well, he says what? Sing songs. It's also a form of prayer. Thank God. It's a thanksgiving prayer. Worship is a form of prayer. Hallelujah. So whatever state you are in, it calls for prayer. The answer is prayer. The antidote is prayer. Amen. Prayer is the key. Without it, nothing happens for us as Christians. Amen. Without prayer, nothing will happen. If you are suffering, pray. If you are in agony, pray. If you are in pain, pray. Hallelujah. If things are not going on well in your family, pray. Hallelujah. If your husband is going wayward, it's not time to complain. The complaints will not solve the problem. Go on your knees and pray. But sometimes the men, when they are on that, on, on that track, the more you talk, the more they even do it. Amen. So instead of talking, turn your talking into prayer. And God will intervene. Things are not going on well in the office. Go on your knees and pray. The business is going some way. Hallelujah. That is not what you expected. Intervene by prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. The moment of waiting is a moment of prayer. Invest prayer in your moment, your waiting moments. Hallelujah. Invest prayer in your time of waiting. Invest prayer in your wilderness days. The days that you are in the wilderness, when you are fasting and praying, is not the time for glory. It's not the time for exposure. It's not the time you want everybody to hear about you. It's not the time for everybody to hear your story. That is the time that you are alone, the lonely moments, like a lonely sparrow upon the rooftop. You engage God and you intervene with God and you travel with God. God, uh, and you pray, and in that prayer, something begins to shift, something begins to change, uh, something begins to happen around you and your environment. Prayer can change anything and everything. Somebody said that prayer moves mountains. Pray. If you are suffering, pray. 14. If you are sick, Still, the answer is pray. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them, let them pray. Hallelujah. And anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. So even sickness, 
But most times when we are sick, the first point of call is the doctor, isn't it? Some we even forget to pray. I know that people go to hospital and that's where they even die. They meet their death. Some people, they would have been better off if they have stayed home without going to the hospital. <laughs> because sometimes some carelessness of some nurse or some doctor will send you to your grave earlier than even God wanted. You know that. Just recently, somebody assumed the, the um, 37 military hospital. Mm. So it happens. So the first point is prayer. It doesn't mean that it's wrong for you to seek medical help or medical attention. But let the prayer go first. Amen. That was the bone of contention between the Apostolic Church and the, the Church of Pentecost. Why Machion left the Apostolic Church to start the Church of Pentecost? It was because of this thing about whether Christians should use, practice medicine or just depend on God for your healing. Because the Apostolic Church was of well, the view that, I mean, a Christian, you don't need to take medicine, you don't need to take any medication, you don't need to do anything, just believe God for your healing. Then Machion came, Unifita started using medicine and all those things, and you are backsliding. We can't have you in our fellowship anymore. Amen. So that was what, that was the contention, the bone of contention that made Machion break away from the Apostolic Church and started the Church of Pentecost that has grown to what we know it now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So everything is by prayer. Prayer can answer everything and anything. So in any state that you are in, pray. Why must we pray as we wait on God? Nothing happens without prayer. Nothing happens without prayer. Without prayer, the business will be like that. It will be some way. Without prayer, you will struggle in life. Oh, Pastor, but how about some people who are not even Christians and their lives is going on? Do you know how their lives is going on? You are a Christian. <laughs> Amen. They are not Christians. So the things they can do, you cannot do. Eh? The place they've been pass, passing, you, you cannot pass it. So yours is to pray. <laughs> is that not it? Yours is to pray. And believe God. Hallelujah. So whatever is happening, pray. If you are happy, pray. If you are sad, pray. If you are disappointed, pray. If your heart is broken because a man jilted you, still pray. Still pray. And don't give up. Amen. Number two. The reason why we must pray is that every great move of God has been preceded by prayer. Every great move of God was preceded by prayer. So as we are looking forward for the explosion, the explosion will not come without prayer. The explosion will not come before, without prayer. I want to give one or two examples. In the Old Testament, we see the example of Elijah. In James chapter 5 that we read, if we continue from 17 and 18, uh, from 16, he says, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another. For the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. Eh? The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. You are still not in 16. Amen. Effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Hallelujah. That means that there's power in prayer to do anything and everything. Amen. Effective, fervent prayer can do all things. It avails much. And we looked at some versions in the morning. For example, the Amplified Version talks about the fact that it makes tremendous power 
available to the believer. The earnest that is heartfelt continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. Dynamic in its working. Hallelujah. That's what prayer can do. Give me another version. NLT. NLT. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. What produces wonderful results? What produces wonderful results? Prayer. 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 So when we pray, we are not just making noise. When we pray, we are not just shouting into the air. When we pray, we are not just, it's not just a, a, a spiritual exercise that we do to be excited. Prayer is efficacious. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is effective. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. May you have wonderful results as you pray. May God bring you to your place of explosion. In the mighty name of Jesus, shout amen and receive it. Oh, glory, hallelujah. Then secondly, we said that every great move that have ever happened started with prayer, was preceded by prayer. And I was going to give you examples. Number one is the example of Elijah in the Old Testament. So in James 15, James chapter 5, when you read and continue from 17, 17, it says Elijah was a man of like passion as us. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that they would not rain. it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Then verse 18, he prayed again. And there was rain. The heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. Hallelujah. But before you tell yourself that, oh, but that was Elijah. I am Francis. He's giving you an assurance that Elijah was a man just like you. Amen. Amen. He was a man just like you. In fact, you even have an advantage more than Elijah. Do you know why? Elijah didn't have the perpetual presence of the Holy Spirit living in him. Elijah didn't have the blood of Jesus dying to save him. Elijah was dependent upon the blood of bulls and cows and sheep. Amen. But you and I, we have been bought by a precious blood of Jesus Christ, redeemed by that blood, full of the Holy Ghost, tasted of the power of heaven and a better position than Elijah. And yet Elijah could pray and stop the rains and pray again and the rains will come. That move was preceded by prayer. Amen. When you go to 1 Kings 18, then you realize the kind of prayer that he prayed. The Bible said that he went to the top of Mount Carmel and bowed down his knees and put his head in between his knees and started praying. He was not even praying in tongues, but he was praying. You tongue-speaking, born-again Christian, you can't pray for one hour. He prayed in that posture and then told the servant, go and check. It's about to rain. The servant went, the sun was as bright as ever. And no sign of any cloud gathering. <laughs> Came and told him, said, eh, okay. He went back and prayed again. He said, go and check again. He went and checked, no show. He prayed again. He said, go and check, no show. Go and check, no show. Seven times. If it were you, by the second, third time, you already discouraged, you have left the church. You leave Mount Camel and go and find some abitia and eat. But Elijah was praying, praying. On the seventh time, the seventh when he said, I see a cloud, but it's like just the hand of a man. 
gathering from this. I, I was, I'm, even, I'm even wondering how you could identify a cloud as the hand of man. A cloud as more as the hand of man. How can you identify that this cloud will bring rain? That Elijah, based on his prayer, said, go and tell Ahab to run and go to Israel before the rain beats him up. I'm sure Ahab was wondering, three and a half years, it has no rain. Even when I look at the cloud, there's no cloud gathering. There's no sign of rain. What I should I to rain? But Ahab obeyed. Because he has seen the contest of Mount Camel, where Elijah has called down fire from heaven. If this man can call down fire from heaven and he says he's going to rain, I better obey. So he ran in his chariot, going to Jezreel. Before he landed in Jezreel, Elijah was already there. How did he get there? He was carried by the Spirit. Carried by the Spirit. A man of prayer, a woman of prayer, will always move in a tremendous power. Explosion. Every great move precedes, is preceded by prayer. Like Elijah, for the rain will come from heaven. He had to pray. He had to travel in prayer. It was an effectual prayer. That's why James, talking about effective and effectual prayer, is quoting Elijah. Because it was the kind of prayer he prayed was an effectual prayer. It was not the one that Eja also Nebohono. You know Eja also Nebohono. Somebody went to buy a, a, a calendar or a poster with a lost prayer. So he put it by his bed. And when he's going to sleep, he said, <laughs> So God should read a prayer for himself and answer for himself. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Jesus. The, the whole son of God, when he appeared on earth for 30 years, no show. But when it was appointed time for the show to begin, what did he do? He prayed. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21, we read that as he was coming out of the water during his baptism, and whilst he was praying, then the heavens opened and the Spirit descended upon him. Then in chapter 4, verse 1, the Spirit led him to the wilderness to go and eat fufu. And I've been crying. No be so. The Spirit led him to do what? To go and fast and pray. 40 days in the wilderness and he was praying. Praying, praying, praying. Then verse 14 says, And this man after that time of prayer and waiting on God in prayer returned in the power of the Holy Spirit in, in verse 14. Already in chapter 4. Verse 14. Returned in that power. And then verse 18, went to Nazareth, entered the temple, and took the scroll to read. And he opened the book of Isaiah and started reading, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to heal the sick. And he started flowing. Then verse 14 says that, And his, his fame began to spread abroad in all that community. That was because he had waited in prayer. And a move had begun. The apostles also before they could experience the move of the Holy Spirit, they had to wait in Jerusalem and pray. There will be no move without prayer. Amen. Contemporary times, in 1906, we had what is known in Christianity or the, 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 the life of the church as the Azusa Street Revival. Azusa Street Revival that happened in the U.S. That was led by William Seymour. William Seymour was a black American evangelist. Uh, had discovered from the word of God that there's something called the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but he had not experienced it. He said, I want to experience this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
gathered six more people together. There were seven people gathered in the room. They prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Nothing was happening until one day on the 9th of April, 1906, as they were praying, something began to happen in the room. And they, were all, they all fell under the power. Some were screaming, some were shouting, some were crying. Some of them started speaking in tongues. The people around heard the noise. They were coming to see what was happening. Everybody who comes, sometimes the power hits them. They fall under the power. Some were speaking in tongues. And then before you realize that it become not only a citywide or a nationwide revival, it had become a national revival. People were traveling from, the, from England, from all over the globe to go and witness the revival in Azusa Street. Every move of God was preceded by prayer. That is why we must pray as we wait. As we wait for the explosion, we must pray. This year, this month in particular, because of the explosion, your prayer life must be intact. Don't miss any Gethsemane hour. Last Friday, it was awesome over here. There was so much power in the place. I could, I could literally feel it. I, I felt that if somebody just strike a match, the whole place will light up physically. It was so much tangible power. Amen. It comes by prayer. It comes by prayer. Number three. The explosion is sustained by prayer. Why do you need to wait in prayer before the explosion? That's because when the explosion comes, it must be sustained by prayer. So if you don't pray and build that capacity, you cannot sustain the explosion. Every revival is sustained by prayer. Not only is it birthed by prayer, but it's also sustained by prayer. Amen. Your prosperity will not only be birthed by prayer, but it must be sustained by prayer. Your marriage must not only be birthed by prayer, but it must be sustained by prayer. Hallelujah. Whatever you receive as a Christian from God, it must be sustained by prayer. If you say that, oh, I'm a man of God. God has called me. I'm going to build his church. So uh, everything will go on well. The church will grow and everything will be okay. Amen. Then you come to Ted Gate and you start a church and you start sleeping. The witches will let you know that <laughs> they were here before you came here. <laughs> Amen. They will let you know that they were here before you came. So whatever God gives to you, you maintain and sustain by prayer. You maintain and sustain by Prayer. You maintain and sustain by prayer. Hallelujah. So as the disciples were tarrying, they were building their, their prayer capacity. So when the day of Pentecost came and the explosion came, they were able to sustain it until now. Pass it on to the next generation, to the next generation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why do we need to pray so that we can sustain the coming explosion? Number four. Number four. Certain strongholds will not move without prayer. Certain strongholds will not move without prayer. Matthew 17, 21. Jesus says, this kind of thing cannot go except by prayer and fasting. Hallelujah. There are certain demons they will not move without prayer and fasting. There are certain challenges it will not shift without prayer and fasting. There are certain block, blockades eh, and certain barriers it will never move and open up for you to pass without prayer and fasting. Amen. Certain strongholds will not pray will not break without prayer. And that's why you and I must pray so that all the strongholds and the barriers will be what? Broken and we can enter into the explosion in the name of Jesus. But the Bible says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in the higher places. For that reason, God has not given us a weapon. 
And the apostle says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pulling down of what? Strongholds. So through prayer, we pull down every stronghold of the enemy. We are able to take what belongs to us by force. Hallelujah. Why must we pray? Because certain strongholds will not shift, will not break, will not move without prayer. And last but not the least, heaven will not move without your prayer. Heaven will not move without your prayer. Heaven will not move. God will not move without your prayer. Yes, God is omnipotent. Yes, God is omnipresent. Yes, God is omniscient. Yes, God is all wonderful and all powerful. He can do all things, but the secret is that he will not move until a man opens his mouth, a woman opens his uh, mouth to pray. But pastor, why is it like that? Can't he just move and do whatever he wants to do? I don't know why it is like that. I only know that that is how God has made it. In Numbers chapter 14, Numbers chapter 14, verse 28, he told Moses to tell the Israelites, Numbers 14, 28, say to them, as I live, as long as I, God, Yahweh, Elohim, the Lord there in capital is Yahweh. Mm. But when they are reading the Hebrew Bible and they come across Yahweh, they don't pronounce it as Yahweh, they pronounce it as Adonai. Because the Yahweh was such a sacred name that they never mentioned it. Says, says the Lord, says Yahweh himself, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. Amen. Just as you have spoken to me in prayer, whatever you have told me, that is what I will do. So if you tell him nothing, what will he do? If you tell him, ask for me this sickness, ask for my family this sickness, so it's a wonder we all die from. What will he do? Eh, this marriage, I've entered, look at this, they call this thing marriage. Is this thing that I'm in marriage? What will he do? Amen. Whatever you speak into my ears, that is what I will do. If I were you, I will be speaking good things. Mazo, Skapa, Hataya. Speaking and prophesying good things upon your life and into your life. So that when God hears it, he will act upon it and he will do it. Nothing happens without prayer. The heavens does not move without prayer. God will not move on your behalf without prayer. And that is why as you are waiting, you pray. You pray. You pray. You pray until something happens. Hallelujah. You pray until there is a move. You pray until God answers. You pray until God begins to act on your behalf. You pray until the obstacle is removed. You pray until the explosion has come. And when it comes, you keep praying so that you sustain the explosion. The disciples are ready to move in power. But Jesus says, wait. You are not ready to wait. You are not ready to handle the explosion. Hello. And to conclude, let me conclude it this way. That the explosion is birthed in the fairness of prayer. The explosion is birthed in the fairness of prayer. The crucible of prayer, that is where explosion is bad. That's where greatness is bad. Even in the world, they have a quote, a quote eh, and they say in, that the heights that great men achieved were not obtained by what? Sudden flight. But whilst their neighbors were sleeping, they were toiling upward in the night. 
So upward in the night, the toiling, that is the crucible, the furnace. See, the furnace is a hot place. It's not easy to be there. But within that hotness, within that furnace, uneasiness, they bring out the greatness. Hallelujah. The same way, the explosion can never be bathed unless in the furnace or the crucible of prayer. Of prayer. And as we pray, between now and grace and glory, may God explode upon us. May the heavens open over us and over everything that concerns us. May we enter into an explosion of the power of God, into an explosion of the blessings of God, into an explosion of a revolution that will touch every aspect of our lives and our church. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.